thank you, Alyssa, for reciting our scripture passage this morning with such beauty. We're concentrating on the first verse of Psalm 23 this morning, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And as a companion text from the New Testament, St. Peter takes shepherd boy David's God-shepherd metaphor and runs with it. He says, Once you were astray like lost sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your lives. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The town of Greenwich, Connecticut owns a long-term care facility for aging people and for disabled people. It has a memory unit attached to it. And when I lived there, the local preachers would take turns leading a worship service in the chapel of this memory unit every Wednesday afternoon. Now, to be honest, that's not an easy task. Preachers need a congregation to hear and to understand them. And in this case, in this memory unit, most of the people in that room were too far gone to understand the message I was trying to share. And so in a context like that, a preacher will preach to the few people of sound mind in the room. You know, there might be relatives of the residents who are there, the caretakers who push the wheelchairs, the chaplains always there, the staff and the nurses' aid, and you, nurses aides, and you sort of preach to them when you're in this context. One time when it was my turn to uh, lead the worship service, I chose as my text Psalm 23. And as I stood to recite the text, the whole congregation spontaneously recited it with me. We read it corporately. It was so, that was not my plan. I hadn't printed it in the bulletin for them to read. They just knew it. They just remembered it. It was so moving. Some of the people in that room had forgotten the names of their own children. But the words to Psalm 23 were mortared securely among the vanishing neurons of their declining cognition. Psalm 23 is a vivid, pictorial, concise masterpiece of exactly 114 words, yet it may be the most repeated passage in the history of human literature, or maybe it's second after the Lord's Prayer. One Bible scholar said that Psalm 23 is to the Bible what your putter is in your golf bag. That is a small but critical implement. It's the most important tool in your collection. So think about this. You know, on a round of 18 holes, I might use my driver 15 times and my individual irons even fewer times than that. But unless you're extraordinarily proficient with your pitching wedge, you're going to use your putter on every hole. I use my putter at least three times on every hole or about 54 times around. The putter is small but critical and it gets us home. Psalm 23 is small but critical and it gets us home. Now in his little letter to the first Christian churches of the first century, St. Peter takes shepherd boy David's metaphor of God as a shepherd and runs with it. He says, once you were astray like lost sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your lives. 
he doubles up on David's metaphor and puts an adjacent image next to it. Shepherd and guardian, Peter calls God. And how is that for a timely word on this weekend when the Cleveland baseball team has announced its new moniker? The Guardians, isn't that a wonderful mascot? It's so shapely and poetic. It rhymes with Indians. You take the I-N off Indian and add G-U-I-A-R and you've got Guardians. Indians, Guardians. So happy. Katie and Christine and I dreamed up this sermon series on Psalm 23 because we needed it. And we thought you might need it too. Some would describe Psalm 23 as a psalm that was made for terror. He wrote that on April 16, 2013, the day after the Boston Marathon bombing. I wonder if Google searches on Psalm 23 skyrocketed on September 11, 2001. For shepherd boy David, terror took the form of a wolf prowling on the edge of his flock or of an evaporating oasis in a heat wave or of green pastures burning up and turning brown, the valley of the shadow of death, Because after all, sheep are among God's most vulnerable creatures, right? They have a single defense mechanism. They flock. When danger is present, they crowd together. A sheep without a flock is a goner, and a flock without a shepherd does not exist. Human beings, genetically engineered sheep as we know them, for meat, milk, and wool eons ago, and if human beings stopped guarding the sheep, they would go extinct almost instantly. For David, the terror was a dangerous predator. For us, the possibilities are almost beyond counting. The river where R in Germany experienced in 2016 experienced a 100-year flood. The flood waters rose to a level of 12 feet. Five years after the 100-year flood, they experienced a 500-year flood. The flood waters rose to a level of 32 feet. You've seen the dreadful images. Last week, the Christian Century reported on one of the almost invisible impacts of the pandemic. Oxford University Press published its first book in 1478. Now think about that. That is 28 years after Johannes Gutenberg invented his revolutionary press. 1478, 543 years ago. Now, Oxford University's book business has been declining for years, but the pandemic finally hammered home the last nail in the coffin. In August, Oxford University will publish books no more. I was disconsolate. I have dozens of erudite and essential volumes by Oxford University Press in my library. My Bible is printed by Oxford University. 543 years. Now it's no more. So it might be a a bit of an exaggeration to call a pandemic terror, right? But not much of an exaggeration. During the pandemic, incidents of mental disorders increased 50%. Suicidal thoughts among teens doubled 
Now, in the time of terror or in the time of virus, this simple, small, almost childish poem might be scant comfort against all the dangers that surround us. And yet, think about how important this image of the shepherd God has been to the shaping of human thought about God over the centuries. There's no way to exaggerate how important this image is to the way we think about our Creator. And so, whatever you're going through, during this time, I invite you to pray this simple little prayer poem because it strikes just the right balance between hopefulness and realism. The Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want, which does not mean that we will not walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? It just means that we will not walk it alone. God's rod and God's staff goeth before us. After the Twin Towers fell, Frederick Buechner wrote, When horrors happen, we can't use God to make them unhappen any more than we can use a flashlight to put out a fire or use Psalm 23 to make our way home in the dark. All we can do is draw close to God and to each other as best we can as those stunned New Yorkers did 20 years ago and hope that, although God may well be useless when all hell breaks loose, there is nothing that happens, not even hell itself, where God is not present with us and for us. So I'll share one more thing with you and then I'll quit. I've actually shared this story with you before. It's a story about Reynolds Price. Have you read the novels of the great American novelist Reynolds Price? For many, many years, Dr. Price served as the James B. Duke Professor of English at Duke University. And I think it's safe to say that Duke University would not let any but the most distinguished scholars sit in the Duke chair at Duke University. In 1984, when Dr. Price was 50 years old, he suddenly couldn't walk. He couldn't lift himself physically out of the chair. And he was terrified, of course, but they have this splendid hospital at the university. So he took himself to the hospital where they found a 10-inch long pencil-thick tumor intricately braided through the core of Dr. Price's spinal column. So the magicians at Duke cured his cancer with surgery and radiation, but he used a wheelchair for the next 27 years till he died in 2011. During and after his illness, Dr. Price wrote so eloquently about his experience of pain that he would receive hundreds, thousands of letters from his readers who wanted to share with him their own experience of despair, including a woman who was facing an exhausting battery of difficult medical texts. But she had this, this dream, this vision, this experience, I guess you could call it. She says, I wandered out among the Galilean hills and I came upon a crowd listening to a man and I intended to stay on the outskirts of the crowd just listening but the man looked up and out and over the crowd directly at me and he said do you what do you want and she said sir will you send somebody to help me send somebody to stand with me while I face these tests because I don't think I can do it alone And the man thought for a moment, and finally he said, 
How would it be if I came? How often we feel we're being watched over or that we're secretly looking in on the ones we love even when they are far away or lost in the sleep no one wakes from. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.